Father God, we pray that you would give us ears to hear, hearts to receive what you have for us today in your word. Come speak to us, Lord, in your name we pray, amen. You have the right to remain silent. Anything you say can and will be used against you in the court of law. You have the right to an attorney. If you cannot afford an attorney, one will be appointed for you. Sometimes you need a public defender. The new Supreme Court justice who was recently appointed to join the Supreme Court is named Katanji Brown Jackson. And she is the first black woman to serve on the Supreme Court. Not only that, she is the first Supreme Court justice who in her tenure as an attorney served as a public defender. The very first Supreme Court justice ever to serve as a public defender. What does that mean? It means that she and others who are uh, Supreme Court, or I'm sorry, who are public defenders, that they provide legal aid for those who cannot provide it for themselves. Some of you have had firsthand experience with public defenders. I've been down to the Orangeburg County Courthouse and stood uh, with people who needed a public defender because they could not afford an attorney. And this background of being a public defender was actually quite offensive to the American public. Um, during the confirmation hearings for uh, Ms. Brown Jackson, part of the criticism for her was that she was a public defender. Part of the criticism was that, in fact, she had defended suspected terrorists at Guantanamo Bay. And so how could we have someone who defended terrorists become a Supreme Court justice? That was part of the controversy. There's always controversy, right? I mean, open the newspaper, watch the, look at the internet, there's always controversy. This was the controversy. It was the fact that she was a public defender. But did you know that the rights that I read earlier, the, what are known as the Miranda rights, these are enshrined in our Constitution such that even the most horrific criminal, even the most horrific criminal has the right to an attorney and a fair trial. Sometimes you need a public defender. My family moved to Orangeburg in the middle of fourth grade. Not at the beginning of the year, but in the middle of fourth grade. And I, I was a new student at Marshall Elementary School right here in Orangeburg. And it was hard to make friends because I was the new kid. Have you ever been the new kid? Moving into a new situation and, and no one really talks to you. They don't really know what to do with you. And y'all, I moved from Mississippi. And so I also not only was I the new kid, but I had this funny accent that everyone wasn't sure what to do with. And they would say, say something, say something. And I would say something in my country, which I can't even do it now, but uh, this, this country Mississippi accent. I remember one day after a few weeks of school, I was out at recess. These were back in the days when schools actually let their kids have recess. And they should today let their kids have recess. But anyway, that's besides the point. So we're out there having recess, and I remember that a group of kids from my class were picking on me. And I don't remember what it was about, but I remember how I felt. 
They were picking on me. They were laughing at me. They were poking fun at me. And I felt completely helpless. And that's just when I heard the booming voice behind me that said, Leave him alone or I'll punch you in the face. I turned around and I saw towering over me a kid in my class named Conrad. Now, Conrad had been in the fourth grade on several occasions. And so he was a little bit bigger and badder than the rest of, the cla- of my classmates. He was big. He was mean. And he was standing up for me. I don't know why. I probably had never really talked to him before. Maybe I, I don't know. But he defended me that day. And I will never forget it. Sometimes you need a public defender. Our question of the day is, how can you face the accusations of the devil? Or even, how can you face the accusations that come from within your own heart? You are worthless. Nobody likes you. God has abandoned you. He doesn't care about you. You are guilty and condemned. God isn't listening to you. You are such a disappointment. There is no hope for reconciliation. Just give up. You will always be a failure. The accusations of the devil and of your own inner sinful nature that we talked about last week. And when we hear those accusations, we feel overwhelmed. We feel like I did in fourth grade, beat up, helpless, accused, vulnerable. Sometimes we need a public defender, right? Sometimes we need a Conrad. Sometimes we need a justice. There's good news, brothers and sisters. God has sent us one. God has, He has, He has sent us one. God has sent us one, and His name is Holy Spirit. God has sent us a public defender, and His name is Holy Spirit. He is our counselor. He is our helper. He is our advocate. He is our comforter. He is our public defender. And so we're going to turn into Scripture, and we're going we're to look at what God has to say about that, what Jesus had to say about that in John chapter 14, verses 15 through 18. So this is God's Word. Let's stand as I read God's Word. John 14, verses 15 through 18. Jesus is speaking to His disciples, and He says, If you love Me, you will keep My commandments. And I will ask the Father, and He will give you another Helper to be with you forever, even the Spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. This is God's word. Thanks be to God. Amen? Amen. Y'all be seated. All right, let's take a minute and let's dig into this one word, helper. If you look in your Bible, you might notice that it's capitalized. And the reason it's capitalized is because it's referring to the Holy Spirit, the helper. Now, depending on what translation you have, none of them are the same for this word. I looked at five translations, and they all translate it differently. Counselor, advocate, helper, uh, 
counselor, a helper, advocate, comforter, and what was the other one? Defender. Okay, why are there so many translations for this one word? The word is paraclete. Okay, it, 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 paraclete is the Greek word, and it comes from these two words, para and kletos, okay, or kletos. You got it? Y'all with me? I know Greek is boring, but para means alongside, alongside, okay, and kletos means called. So a paraclete is one who is called to be alongside, one who is called to be alongside, and that's not a very good translation, you know, if they said, if, 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 it, if it said, uh, he will give you another one to be alongside you. That's a little awkward, right? So we put in these words, helper, advocate, comforter, counselor, defender, to try to explain what that means. Because outside of the New Testament, outside of Jesus' use of this word, this word was a legal term. And it was used to refer to legal counsel, an advocate, a defender, one who would stand with you when you're facing an accusation. Okay, that's what the word means, paraclete, parakletos, or the word helper. That's translated here, helper, in the ESV. So the question is, if the Holy Spirit has been called to come and stand alongside of us, how does He defend us against the accusations of the devil? And I have two ways that the Scripture reveals to us that he does that today. And the first one is this. And y'all, I love this. And you, you, I hope y'all get this. If you don't hear anything else today, hear this. How does the Holy Spirit defend us? He shines the light on Jesus. The Holy Spirit shines the light on Jesus. Notice, Jesus says, I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper even the Spirit of truth. Another helper means they already had a helper, right? And who was that helper? It's Jesus, right? He's with them, and He's going to leave them. And because He's leaving them, His disciples are worried. They're visibly upset in this passage. They're visibly upset, so Jesus says, I'm going to send you another helper. And He encourages them to continue loving Him, keeping His commandments, but they feel the weight of this. They're thinking, how can I do that? They're like, I, I have a hard enough time loving you and keeping your commandments while you're here. How am I going to do this when you're gone? And Jesus says, I'm going to send you another helper. In other words, I'm going to send someone that's going to refer back to me. I'm going to send someone who will shine the light on me. All right? And so, uh, you know, sometimes we have issues in our house where maybe a ceiling fan goes out, and I, and, or maybe an electrical outlet's acting funny, and I have to be a man. Any of you guys ever have to be a man, or maybe a woman, and you got to fix stuff around your house? You know what I'm talking about? No? Okay. <laughs> Sometimes you gotta, you got to go down and turn off the power to the house. Who's done this before? Raise your hand. You've turned off the power to your house. Okay, thank you. When you do that, what happens? It's dark. Right? And so, so what will happen in, in my life is I will need a helper to come with me, usually one of my children, and they will take a flashlight, and whatever I'm doing inside the electricity box, they will shine the light on my work. Right? They will shine the light so that I can see what I'm doing. Their job is to hold the flashlight steady so that I can see what I'm working on, and that is what the Holy Spirit does. What the Holy Spirit does is shines a flashlight on Jesus 
so that we can continue to grow in our love for him. Because that's what this whole thing, the obedience is rooted in love. And how can we love him if we don't see him? How can we love him if we don't know him? How can we love him if we don't see who he is and what he's done? And that's what the Holy Spirit does. The Holy Spirit shines the light on Jesus. Look with me at a few of other scriptures because Jesus is fleshing this out with his disciples. In chapter 15, verse 26, which follows, he says this, and this should be on the screen. But when the Helper comes, 1526, but when the Helper comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth, who proceeds from the Father, he will bear witness about me. You see, the Holy Spirit's job as an advocate, as a helper, is to bear witness about Jesus. That means he shines the flashlight on Jesus. Later in the next chapter, chapter 16, verse 14, Jesus says, the helper will glorify me. The helper will glorify me, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. He's talking to his apostles, and he says, look, when the Spirit comes, it's not going to be about the Holy Spirit. Some of our problem with the Holy Spirit in the church today is that we think it's about the Holy Spirit. But the Holy Spirit's not about the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's about Jesus. And that's so important for us to get, because if we don't get that, then we, we, we miss what the Holy Spirit is actually doing. We miss what the Holy Spirit is actually doing. The Holy Spirit testifies three times right here, or Jesus testifies the Holy Spirit when he comes will be about me, will be bringing glory to me. When the Helper comes, he will bear witness about me. And so, brothers and sisters, when you are facing the accusations of the devil, when you are facing the accusations of shame and guilt and fear, the Holy Spirit stands alongside you and shines the flashlight on Jesus so that we can remember His love, so that we can see His grace, so that we can remember His sacrifice for us on the cross. Jesus gave His life for you. The Holy Spirit shines the light and He says that means His record is your record. And the Holy Spirit shines the light on Jesus when you feel shame. And he shines the light that says, you walked on water. You healed the sick. You loved unconditionally. You faced evil with good and you overcame. You already perfectly obeyed every command of God. That's the testimony of the Holy Spirit for us. The Holy Spirit is saying, look at Jesus. Because all of your fear, all of your shame, all of your guilt is because you're not looking at Jesus. It's because you're looking at you and you think that you can overcome it by your efforts. But the Holy Spirit says, nah, turn off the lights. Look at this. I got something to show you. I want you to see Jesus. Did you know that the moment you put your faith in Christ, all of Jesus' goodness, all of his life work, is credited into your life. All of his life work is credited into your life. And all of your sin, all of your guilt, all of your shame is placed on Jesus. That's why he went to the cross. To pay for it. To suffer for it. And to be done with it. So that you can have new life in him. Can we talk about reading the Bible for a minute? We need to be led by the Spirit when we read the Bible. When you read about David, this is an easy example, but I just want to share it with you all, and I've used this before. But when you read about David, a lot of times you want to say, okay, 
what are the giants in my life that I need to face? Right? What are the Goliaths in my life? Debt or, uh, you know, sickness or, and we think of all these things that we need to overcome. And we, our takeaway from the story of David and Goliath is I got to face my giants. I got to take the little bit that I have and overcome the big thing that's in front of me. And if, you, and if you believe that, there may be some truth to that, okay? I'm not going to totally discredit that. There may be some truth to that. But the Holy Spirit doesn't want that to be your takeaway. The Holy Spirit wants to what? Shine the light on who? Jesus, right. And so when you're led by the Spirit and you're reading the Word and you read the story of David and Goliath, you're in the, in the, and the Holy Spirit is standing alongside you and shining the light on Jesus, what do you see? This story is a testimony about Jesus. David is not only an example to follow, he points us to Jesus. Listen, one man fought to defeat the enemy so that everyone could have the victory. One man fought and defeated the enemy so that everyone who was with him could have the victory. That's a picture of what Jesus did, isn't it? That's a picture of the gospel. We're, we are the shaking Israelites over on the sideline just watching Jesus do his thing. We're shaking in our boots, y'all. You are not David. Jesus is David. You are the Israelite who's afraid and who's like, I, I can't handle this. Jesus is the one who did it. He's the one who overcame. That's the whole point. And so when we read Scripture with a lens of looking at Jesus, it totally opens up the Word to us. And we see things differently than we ever have before. And we don't end up feeling guilty all the time. Because it's not about you. And it's not about what you can do. It's not about you overcoming. It's about Jesus. And the, the ministry of the Holy Spirit is to stand alongside you and to testify and to shine the light on what Jesus has done. That is what it means to be led by the Spirit as you read the Word. How does the Holy Spirit defend us? by pointing us to Jesus, by shining the light on Jesus, and secondly, by being with us and standing with us forever. By standing with us and being with us forever. Look at verse 17, John 14, verse 17. It says, the spirit of truth dwells with you and will be in you. The spirit of truth dwells with you and will be in you. A couple of weeks ago, we talked about the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, right? The Holy Spirit indwells his people. And one of the ways... That he, the, one of the beauties of that is that he's always with you. So whenever the accusation comes, if it's at 3 a.m. in the morning, the Holy Spirit is right there with you, standing with you, defending you, reminding you, pointing you to Jesus, reminding you of, his, of God's grace. He stands with you forever. Some of us feel that God has left us. We do. We're weak in faith. Our faith is like shifting sand. Sometimes we feel that God has left us. We don't feel His presence like we used to. Our prayers seem to go unanswered. Where is God? What is God doing? Can you relate? But God the Father and Jesus have sent the Holy Spirit into our hearts so that we can face those lies, so that we can face those accusations with an advocate, with a helper, with a counselor, with a public defender. In John chapter 14, verse 18, the verse that follows that, he says, Jesus says, I will not leave you as orphans. 
Oh, I love that. I love that. You know, we, last week we talked about being led by the Spirit, remember? And there's one other passage that talks about being led by the Spirit. It's in Romans. And you know what Jesus says? Those who are led by the Spirit are sons of God. That this is what being led by the Spirit means. is that our identity is not in us. It's in being His children. That we are sons and daughters of God. That is, what the Holy, that is what the Holy Spirit is with us to do, to testify to, that we are the sons and daughters of God. Jesus says, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. And he did at Pentecost in the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is with every believer today. If you are trusting in the Lord Jesus, if you have trusted in the Lord Jesus, then you are filled with the Spirit. You have an advocate, you have a helper, you have a counselor who is pointing you, shining the light on Jesus, and who is with you forever. So if you're suffering, if you're feeling vulnerable, if you are a human being in this fallen world, which I think most of you are, then the suffering of life is not a sign that God has abandoned us. It is an opportunity that pushes us deeper into faith. Because, y'all, our hearts are deceptive. They are deceptive. It's so easy for us to believe that God has abandoned us. It's so easy for us to believe the lies and the accusations that come. And that's why God has sent His Spirit to remind us of the truth. What does the Scripture here say? That I will send you the Spirit of... Yes, I will send you the Spirit of truth who will come into your life and will remind you of the truth of your adoption. Will remind you, remember, the, remember Laurie's tiara in college? Y'all know that story. I know most of you know that story. She wore a little plastic tiara to remind herself when she was overwhelmed that she's the daughter of a king. And, and I love that. And, and, and it's true. The Holy Spirit stands beside us to remind us of the truth of our sonship. Not only that we're justified, but that we're loved. That we are loved. I want you to imagine for a moment that you are a member of a very wealthy family. I want you to imagine that you are a member of a very wealthy family. I want you to think about the privilege that you would have as a member of of a very wealthy family. Imagine the privilege you would have. And now I want you to remember the headlines that you've seen, where a young 17-year-old is arrested for drunk driving or something worse. And we all get this pit in our stomach, don't we? Because we know that because he comes from a household of money and means and wealth, that he is going to have the very best representation in court. He will not have a public defender. He will have a high-paid attorney. He will have the very best defense that his parents' money can offer. This family keeps this attorney on retainer so that whenever a family member gets in trouble, whenever they face a charge or an accusation, the family attorney is there to defend them. Now, in our broken world, we know that sometimes justice is not met, right? But I want you to realize that you are a member of a wealthy family. 
that you are a member of a wealthy family. That if you have placed your trust in Christ, you are a child of the wealthiest family in the world. And you have a family attorney who whenever you face an accusation, whenever, and you will, you do, it's easy for us to judge the 17-year-old, right? It's easy for us to judge, but you need to look at you. And I need to look at me, because this is not about somebody else's sin out there. This is about you. And this is about how is God changing you and me, right? And so when you face the accusation, when you hear those charges, you need to know that the family attorney will be right there to stand beside you. And he will give you the very best defense that can possibly be given. And you know what that is? It is that your guilt was placed on Jesus. And he paid it all. Even the death penalty was paid for you who trust in him, who are in the family. And his goodness, all of his life all of his, everything that he ever did is placed on you. His righteousness is given to you so that when you're standing in that position of accusation, the Holy Spirit who dwells in you can say, leave him alone or I'll punch you in the face. Leave him alone or I'll punch you in the face. That is what the Holy Spirit does for his people, for his family, for his children. Jesus says, I will not leave you as orphans. And so as we go from here today, let's, let's take some time to meditate on the Word of God and be led by the Spirit as we do that. Not to see the ways that we need to pull ourselves up, but to see the ways that Jesus has already done it. And we can live in His grace more and more confidently as we face the accusations that inevitably will come to us. Hear the Holy Spirit's words. Leave him alone, or I'll punch you in the face. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Let me pray for us. Lord, we thank you that we are in your family by grace. Not because we were good people, but because of your sheer mercy. And so, Lord, I pray that each person here today would renew their knowledge of you that we would seek to cry out to you these accusations that we feel. And Holy Spirit, that you would actively defend us with the goodness of Christ and the payment that he made. Justice was met at the cross. Lord, help us to believe it. Help us to live in light of it and not to get bogged down in shame and guilt but to turn from it because we have been freed from it already. Lord, we love you, we bless you, and we pray that the Holy Spirit would lead us as your children to love you, to obey your commands. In Jesus' name, amen.